Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature audio from Brothers of the Brush with Chris Kerfoot. In this episode, Chris chats with Russ Payne of RDP Painters and Decorators and the RDP Academy. Russ Payne is a third-generation decorator based down in West Midlands. They chat about topics such as working for family, work ethics, and chasing the pipe dream, power of the mind, and more. This episode is sponsored by 3M, Conquer, and PPG. Welcome to this episode of the Brothers of the Brush podcast, a podcast by decorators for decorators with me, your host, Chris Kerfoot. So, on this week's episode, we have Russell Payne. That's Payne, not Russell Kane, the comedian. Russell Payne, <laughs> based down in West Midlands. Hi, Russ, how are we doing? I'm good, Chris. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Busy. Keeping busy. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, pre-record, you, you were saying you were in September, which is uh, pretty hectic. I'm August and you're September. It's, do you find this year's been... Because of everything that's gone on, you're busier because people are spending money at home? Yeah, I think so, mate. Is it, the demographic's changed a little bit. Um, normally, I do a mix of commercial and domestic. Um, the commercial's absolutely dead. I haven't got anything commercial on the books whatsoever at the moment. Um, but I think, again, that, that's the businesses holding on to their money. But the, the private side, I'd say, has tripled. Yeah. Um, I mean, we normally run uh, anywhere between four to five months in advance. On a, on a bad year um at the moment on six seven uh potentially if a couple of jobs that i've quoted recently come in probably looking at eight months in advance yeah so yeah it's incredible really considering how uncertain things are do you, but, do you um, find do you find commercial stuff's hanging on to money because of covid or because of brexit or both i'm not sure i think because of covid um, yeah. I, when the first lockdown came along, I actually thought that we could have an influx of businesses, such as pubs and restaurants, because I used to do a lot of pub and restaurant refurb. Yeah. And I thought, being that they knew they had to shut and they were getting the grants, I thought a few of them might take the opportunity to actually have a refurb done. Yeah. But it just didn't happen. So, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised at that. There's a, there's a few near, near us getting done, and I've actually got a guest house to do. A room where I've got outside to do which it won't interfere with running, but it rung me up today. I think 15th of May, is it? They're open, they can open. It says, yeah. uh, I've, I've got some Sapili doors. Is there any chance you can spray them all before 15th of May? <laughs> I says, how many you got? I, he says, I don't know. You best come and have a look. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to have a right job fitting them in. But yeah, they're spending money. You know, and I guess, I mean, there's the potential now, that hopefully if this whole roadmap thing actually pans out, there's the potential that there will be that almost like the pre-Christmas rush. So you'll have yeah. business 
knowing now that they know hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel yeah. there might be a few businesses that will reach out and go for that shit, you know, shit we best get on top of it ready for being open <laughs> yeah you think so i mean some of these businesses especially pubs and that i mean they've barely had any use have they for a year so well, well that's it but have they got the money because they've had any use if i mean there's one near us uh i'll not set name at brewery but it's notorious because Brewery dictate your prices and screw you that far down. You can hardly make the money when you're landlord. Absolutely, mate. I had some experience of working um, when we were doing a lot of pubs and, and restaurant refurbs at one stage. I was doing a lot of work for a contractor who had the contract for the West Midlands for a particular brewery. Um, yeah. And our job was to go in and get it ready for the tenancy. So it was starting it all up ready. Um, and then getting it ready to hand over. And I've heard a lot of the tales then. It's the... It's a dog-eat-dog world, isn't it, with the breweries? Yeah, yeah, it's not the best. So we'll we'll rewind a bit. Who's in the Payne household? Uh, there's my wife, uh, wife Angie, um, and then my two kids. They're not here full-time, but they're a big part of the house when they are. So, uh, yeah, my son, Alfie, who's 14, and my daughter, Freya, who's eight. Freya, that's so, only the second Freya I know. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. I've got a friend with a Freya Rose. Freya Rose. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually my daughter's middle name as well. So yeah. The, they, 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 they must go together. Yeah, their daughter's be coming up seven this year. Same age as my lad. It's not too far out, mate. Like I say, she oh, was eight? eight in December. Yeah, I'm blooming good, aren't I? How old's my lad this year? Yeah, my lad. <laughs> <laughs> Just look at tattoo on my arm so I can't forget. Eight, my, my lad will be eight this year. So, yeah, Freya will be eight this year as well. <laughs> exactly the same thing, Chris. Both arms. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty bad when you have to do that to remember a day, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's it, mate. Right. <laughs> so, if if you want to just fill us in, what's your story in business? Obviously, we've chatted previously, and I know you're third generation, if I remember right. Yeah, third generation, mate. Um, when it, people ask me how long I've been decorating, I always thought I like to say I was born with a paintbrush in my hand. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I grew up around it. Uh, my granddad started business back in the 60s. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I say, ever since I can remember, really. Um, I mean, my my mum and dad split up when I was relatively young, and I actually stayed with my dad. Um, so what that meant was, because I was with him, summer holidays, Easter holidays, any half-term. Yeah. Your, your childcare will work. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, it was. Um, so from Christ, from the age of about 10 onward, I was going to work with my dad. Um, and I started off, you know, he'd have me stripping wallpaper or he'd have me pasting and cutting for him while he was wallpapering or eventually work my way up to being able to hold a paintbrush. Um, and uh, one of my earliest memories of the decorating game was he had a chip shop to do. Uh, on a high street and having people walking past the chip shop while I was painting on the outside of it just cracking up because I was covered head to toe in paint so yeah. uh, from an early age mate um, and then a bit further down the line from there I was at left school uh, decided that there was absolutely no chance I was going to be a decorator I was going to make something else of myself I wasn't going to family follow the family line uh, when indeed best part of a year working for agencies and working in factories and doing heavy handling jobs because at the time they paid better and I had no idea what I wanted to do with myself 
and quickly realised that actually being a decorator is pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> easy stop should. <laughs> yeah, that was it. So went back into it um, without getting into a load of family history. I, I stopped working with my dad uh, and I took over the business when I was 17. Yeah. So I took over um, and my granddad at the time, he was retiring. So he sort of came down as I went up and I, yeah. I took it. I had a great start, really. I've got a lot to thank him for. Yeah. Um, so I took his customers off him um, and I had him sort of holding my hand for the first couple of years, really. If I ever had any jobs coming that were a bit complex, yeah. I'd get on the phone, he'd come and, come and work with me and for me. And, and uh, yeah, so I took over things at quite an early age. Really. Yeah, never, never put you off working with him then? Like for a year and that's about your lot? Working with my granddad. Well, working with your dad and your granddad, working in coming up in decorating. What 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 I'm getting at is my lad. He he wants to be a decorator, but I'd never I'd never thought. I'm not saying you was, but I'd never force my kids. And I just think yeah. if I ever work with my lad, it'll be a nightmare because he's he's so OCD, and he'll be coming home saying, "Mom, Dad's not done this. Dad's doing this. He should be doing this." And I just think, "What I want to work with my kids." I don't know. I mean. When I was young, I didn't really have any choice, you know, because like I say, I had to go to work with my dad because he had to go to work and I was with him. Um, so I, I just kind of, I guess I fell into the habit at an early age. Um, and then me and my dad uh, sort of went our own ways due to various other issues. Um, and maybe because there was the generation removed with my granddad. We always got on a treat, mate. We, we were yeah. more like, you know. I, f- I, find, I find kids get on a lot better. It's like my my grandparents, my, my parents, they seem, because they're retired, they seem to be more laid back with my kids than they was with me because they have more time. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, if, if we don't get this, if if we don't get this done today, it's like my mum, she'll say to me, oh, we don't let them watch too much telly when they're at our, our house. And we th- I think, yeah, but sometimes at our house, they're going to have to go and sit and watch telly because I've got this to do. My mum and dad mm-hmm. think, well, if we don't do it today, we'll do it tomorrow because we're not at work. You know, they find they have they have more time to spend with the kids that they never had time to spend with us when they let's say we're working when we grow up. That was it. I was really lucky to be honest there uh, with my granddad because he was old school. You know, old school painter and decorator. Learned the trade. Um, he did an apprenticeship back in the day when he came out of the army. Yeah. Um, so getting to work with him that time was brilliant. It was priceless. You know, it's not the kind of education you can get anywhere. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And he sort of, he was pushing me all the way. Uh, you know, we'd, we'd have an odd little spat. Um, <clears throat> and looking back now, I can see things that he was doing to push me onward. I didn't yeah. really realise at the time. You know, I'd be uh, up at the top of a triple extension ladder and it would be past him kick it, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. It's a bit harsh doing that, though. <laughs> oh, you'd, you'd think so. But it, what it was, it was because I was a bit nervous up the ladder. So he was doing stuff to try and get me a little bit more confident but i guess it could have yeah. gone wrong looking back yeah yeah not very health and safety then more it <laughs> walk past and kick it or walk past and whack it with his scraper or something and oh, uh, we, just... we, had, we had to do that when i served me apprenticeship if i if i was footing ladder for one of set older blokes they were what, late 20s and if yeah. if they were they had this thing if a decent looking lass were coming up street you had to tap right leg with your scraper if they were to right or left leg if they were to left so they could have a <laughs> I don't go like that's they're, they're all like late twenties used to go out drinking, chatting women up, and that's what it were like. I mean, it weren't right, but you know, who knows? 
maybe, maybe that was what he was doing, but I just wasn't in on the uh, in on the script. Yeah, <laughs> he was trying to scare the crap out of me. To be honest, while I was up the top of the ladder, but uh, no, I've got some great memories, mate, of working with him. I'd, I'd say he retired on me twice. Actually, he sort of, as I say, he came down as I went up, and I, I was working full time. And then he sort of said, no, "I'll do a few days a week," and then he he started doing uh, like six hour days rather than eight hour days. Then he retired. Then he'd bring me back up and sort of go, "How, how busy are you at the minute?" Yeah, yeah, busy. Room for one more, um, and he'd come back out of retirement. He decided yeah. he wanted to earn some holiday money. That that'll be me. Never money. give up. Work for pin money. Uh, well, that was it. He, I remember him telling me that uh, at one stage after he'd retired, they ended up. He used to go shopping, do his food shopping for him and my nan, um, and then they also ended up volunteering to do the shopping for my mom and my aunt. So he was going to. Morrison's or whatever it was, three times a week. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely hated it. So he'd be on the phone to me saying, "Look, I'd rather be at work." Yeah, um, that'd be me. He was a character, mate. He, he still, yeah. still used to ride a motorbike to work until he was in his mid seventies. Oh bloody hell! So yeah, he, he was salt of the earth, mate. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, I had, a, I had a good grounding in it, really. Yeah. So what's what's been your lowest point in business? Have you had one, or has it just been plain sailing since? Took it over at seventeen. No, no, it's been, it's been far from plain sailing. Um, lowest point. Um, I've got a bit of a different outlook on it these days. I, I kind of think of everything that's gone wrong as a lesson. Yeah. Um, so I don't really see them as low points. Uh, it's, it's more, you know, things I've learned. But I guess if I had to pick anything out, I remember uh, as I was talking about earlier. Um, doing a lot of work for pubs and breweries at one stage. And um, I had, I think I had three, three or four pubs on the go and it just wasn't going right. I started losing money due to the contractor that was uh, handling the contract. So as you know, we come in at the very end. And um, what was happening with these contracts was a few of the pubs were having to close for the refurbs. So they were closing for two weeks or three weeks at a time and we'd get a schedule. And obviously as a decorator, you come in at the end they were picking up delays from the chippies, from the sparkies, from whoever it might be. And it was coming through to me. Um, and I was getting my time put down. So I just get, oh, Russ, you know, you're meant to be on this pub for 10 days. You've only got seven now. You're going to have to work, you know, longer hours to get it done. Um, long story short, after a few sort of few fallings out uh, with the main contractor, I turned around to him and said, look, if it happens again, I'm, I'm done. Because um, yeah. he actually threatened to pass a penalty clause onto me if I didn't finish on time after knocking yeah. four or five days out of my schedule, uh, which obviously I refused. So it ended up I actually turned around and said, "Look, I'm done with this. I'm, you know, um, I'm pulling my lads off the job. Not happy with how it's going." Uh, and I I made the decision to cut my losses, but I left myself with six weeks with no work, complete empty diary. Um, and ended up, because I had commitments at the time, I had bills to pay and kids to pay for and all the rest of it, ended up going and uh, taking on a load of council work, which was Ooh. probably my lowest point. <laughs> <laughs> Doing council exteriors, mate. Um, oh, nice. X amount of money per house. And I remember, you know, knocking doors and having people moaning that you had to try and get the door open to make the back edge. Uh, and, yeah. See, that, that, that's, that that's where I started. So yeah, good, like Dareem said, things can only get better. <laughs> so that's how I started. 
doing, doing that work actually it, it was horrendous so it the bloke put us on houses for the first week and it was good money um he, he gave us some decent houses where you can make decent money and then as the weeks went on it just got tighter and narrower and tighter and the prices were you know the, the prices were staying the same and the houses were doubling in size and things like that yeah so they are they sweeten you up to begin with to try and get you in. But uh, I had a great story come out of that. When I turned up, uh, the company I was working for, it was a main company that had the work and they were subcontracting. So I was one of the subbies. There were a couple of other subbies there and one of the other lads, an Irish lad. Um, and he'd clocked. He never said a word to me until uh, after that left. I only found out because of the supervisor coming to me, but I'll get to that. Um, this lad had clocked that the supervisor for this company that used to sign the houses off didn't ever get out of his van. So he'd pull up along the road and you'd have, I don't know, you might have had to 15 houses between numbers 60 to 80. Uh, and he'd clock the supervisor, would drive along and he'd just pick them off from his van. What this lad had done, he'd done his row of houses, 10, 15 houses, whatever it might be, got them all signed off, got paid and then vanished. He'd never come back. Uh, and a couple of weeks later, not the back of him. Exactly. Yeah. Supervisor came to me and he said, Russ, I need you to do me a favor. Went, What's that? He said, then he said, look, if you do this for me, I'll sort you out with some really well paid work, but I can't actually pay you for the favor. I said, well, what are you on about? What's going on? He said, well, I've got 10 houses where we, we haven't had the backs done and we've paid out for it. And I don't want to tell my boss what's happened because I should have signed them off. Yeah. But he'd only done it the front and yeah, he'd done, done a runner on. 10 backs of houses. <laughs> Class. <laughs> yeah, loved it. loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say that was probably my lowest point, mate. That, that was probably yeah. the closest I ever came to going, oh, okay. I'm, I'm done. Um, <laughs> I lost a fair bit of money on it. And I remember the worst part is when I pulled out of the one pub, I'd had all the paint mixed up. So we'd had it all mixed colours, all into Johnson's paint. Um, and I remember saying to the contractor, I said, look, I'm pulling off the site. I said, but at least, you know, I've had all the paint mixed up. So just pay me retail, pay me what it costs me. And whoever you're going to get in to do this job is going to need this paint anyway. And uh, he basically told me to go away <laughs> and left me with about 800 quid <laughs> that I couldn't do anything with. Yeah. So on top of it all, yeah, I was, I was raging at the time. But um, yeah, that, that was probably the lowest point, mate. So, so on opposite end of scale, what's been the highest point from that? Uh, do you know what? That's probably higher than the lowest point, to be honest. Um, there's been a series of them. There's been a series of them. Um, to get sentimental, mate, the, the highest point for me with decorating would have been the years I spent working with my granddad. Yeah. Because uh, that was invaluable. You know, forgetting value, forgetting growing the business or anything like that. That was time that, you know, I'll have forever. I'll never, you know, I'll yeah. never lose. Um, so, yeah, that was probably the highest point. There's been a lot of highs, um, you know, winning good contracts and making the business in the direction I want to take it. But uh, in terms of, like, sentimental value, yeah, that, yeah, that time. It's, it's a bit like me when I work with old boys. You know, it was the camaraderie of it all. You know, it, yeah. it was a bit of, I suppose, easiest thing for me to liken it to a bloody off weeders emperor. You know, you had you had your fallouts, you had your spats, but you all go on and you're a family at the end of the day and it were a good crack. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. There's a lot of memories, mate. A lot of memories, which is great. Um yeah. and 
moving, I mean, moving past that, I've had my dad, um, me and him, we work together, although he's on the verge of retirement now, I'd say he's struggling. Um, but yeah, we work together, we've worked together now for maybe the last, uh, over 10 years, over 10 years he's been back in the business, but he, he probably contracted to me a lot more than I ever worked for him. Yeah. Um, he'd come in on the bigger jobs and that, so we've, we've spent a good deal of time working together as well. Yeah. So what's what's your biggest struggle that you think you could improve on? Is there one in terms of business or skill or well either either business or skills? Um, I don't know whether I'd call it a struggle, but the, the one thing I could definitely improve on would be more knowledge when it comes to spraying. Um, yeah. So that's the thing that I'm newest to. Uh, that that's definitely where I've got room to gain more knowledge in that side of it because um, there's. It's a trade within a trade, isn't it? Spraying yeah. so much, um, and I've only scratched the surface. Really, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing in terms of spraying, but there's a hell of a lot more that I can take on. It's a bottomless so, pit once you go in it. <laughs> yeah, trade within a trade. Isn't open, it? open your wallet. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you said earlier, you know, that you were painting with sprays. I definitely put myself in the same category, but probably a few rungs down the ladder from where you're at really um i think probably the first time i started spraying was probably no more than about three years ago so yeah still very new to it learning as i go um but yeah there's room room for improvement on that side of things yeah so when i mean this next one's subjective anyway when did you realize you'd made it if you have made it or is that still to come (laughs) (laughs) I haven't made it. Um, you know <laughs> made what? it and lost it. It's like, do you know, I find that question a real double-edged sword because I don't want to ever get to the stage where I sit there and think I've made it. And the reason being is because where do I go then? Yeah. What, yeah. what more? Well, that, that's why it's subjective because it's everybody's different take on making it, isn't it? That's basically yeah. what it's getting at, you know. Man's because I found sort of work-life balance. I, I won't say I've made it, but I'm close yeah. to making it because for me, that's 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 what I've I've set out to do. That's all you can. I think that's all you can aim for, really. That that work-life balance is massively underestimated. Yeah, so it is all about work, is it? So, yeah, um, you know, I've made it in terms of certain things certain key points and you know achieving certain things in business i guess but overall no no i've not made it and uh i'm glad i haven't made it because it still gives me the ambition and the, the drive to get up in the morning and go and do something new and prove myself a bit more you've, you've never made it till you're on the edge of bankruptcy <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was used to joke about <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. You see these multi, multi billionaires, don't you? And I look at people, and actually, one of the lads that, that key point to sort of point out have you seen um, the lads that started up the company Gymshark? Yeah, started it from his garage. I know me, my sister in law's training to be a personal trainer, and everything's Gymshark, this Gymshark, that, but yeah. then started up out of his garage. Yeah, a kid called Brent, Ben Francis, and um, I actually I work for his parents. So the garage he started in, we do the work on that house. Um, and talking to the, his parents and that kind of thing, and uh, 
there's that angle, isn't there, of Jesus Christ, like he's made it. He's made all that money, like that brand is huge, yet he's still driving forwards. I mean, technically, I'm, I'm sure he could sell the company now and never have to work another day in his life, yet he's still turning up today at work every day. And by all accounts, from what I hear, he's workaholic. Um, do, you, do you think it's that ethic of, if only I could earn 250 grand next year, and then they get there and then, yeah, I just want to push it to 350 it's like a never-ending sort of cycle i think that's a sort of like a part of the human condition isn't it always want more you know there's always always a bigger boat in the marina there's always a bigger bank balance to be had but i know with him um in particular his dream is to make gymshark into the same sort of brand as like your nikes and your adidas and he wants to reach that level i'm not sure it's about money um it's about different goals and targets but yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure really uh, what you could achieve to actually sit back and say, right, I've made it. Because then, what do you do at that point? Do you stop? Yeah. Do you, do you fold? fold you're, 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 always, you're always chasing a pipe dream, aren't you? I think that's, chasing- that's what motivates you majority of times. You think you're chasing a dream. I think that's where these footballers go wrong, in my opinion. I don't do sport, but surely mm. people are laughing at me. Surely they get pissed off with saying, "And you got out bigger, more expensive." They're not. They're not chasing anything. So the only thrill they get now is probably yeah. sleeping with cheap women, because that's the only <laughs> thrill they can get. Because they're not getting the thrill of getting a, a you know more money, because the money's just endless, isn't it? The thing is, Chris, it's a rabbit hole you could go down. I try and educate my son in this. Um, it's a, a deep dark rabbit hole. I believe that starts at a really young age in terms of education and the goals that you're taught yeah. from a really young age you're taught to pursue wealth and cars and ha- uh, happiness coming through money um, and I think a lot of the problems in society is that people don't realise that that doesn't make you happy yeah. so you end up constantly trying to pursue more because you believe that well you just haven't got enough yet once you reach the, the magic point then all the boxes will be ticked and there'll be this light bulb moment and that's it you'll just be switched to happy um, and yeah. I think you're taught that from such a young age in schools. Um, yeah. You know, you're taught it from an age where you're so impressionable um, that that's where kids these days, you know, that they're, they're being groomed into what society tells them. Yeah, make them happy, and that's where you get all this kind of thing sort of stemming from. Really, I, f- um, I find it's like the building trade. It's such a dirty term now, and I think for me, that's part of the reason there's a skill shortage. Because yeah. it's a combination of schools box ticking. Look how many we've got to uni. Yeah. A, when, when you go in careers office now, imagine they steer away from building trades because it's a dirty trade. And so, you, you, you pick probably 10 people, you know, have been to uni. Out yeah. of that 10 people, how many are actually doing something that's relatable to what they did at uni? My, my niece has got a, she's got something in fashion and she, she works in housing. Mm-hmm. to do with what she did at uni at all you know because jobs in it of all of my friends mate I, I think there's two that have gone to uni and they've ended up as teachers so yeah. they've just stayed in that cycle but yeah. the school um it's like a production line isn't it i mean they schools get rewarded for getting kids into school then they get rewarded by passing them on to the universities um so they've got no motivation to send kids into things like the building trades, which is a, a crying shame because I'm sure you went to school with lads much the same as I did. But academically, 
it, it's not for them. But you look yeah. and you think you'd actually be really good with your hands. You'd be really good with whatever. And it's another conversation I've had with my son recently where I sort of said to him, look, um, you know, if you go to school and you go to uni and you train to be, say, a, a doctor or a surgeon, you'll be in medical school, you'll go to uni, you'll then be in medical school. You're going to be in education for another, what, conservatively 12 years to reach a decent grade. And then you're going to come out and you'll get a job for the NHS if you go to the NHS and you might get paid 80 grand a year, which is a great wage. However, there's builders out there earning £100,000 a year. Yeah. That, you know, they're hitting those targets within two, three years of setting up. Um, I think there's... There's massive potential in the building trades, I really do. And the more the skills shortage goes on, I think the more potential and the more the wages and the money will be there to be earned by people who have got yeah. talent at what they're doing. Hopefully it might lower them back in. Yeah, maybe. But yeah. there is that thing, isn't there, about whether they want to get their hands dirty, whether they want to yeah. do hard look, work. Look what it did to me, Dad, is back, you've already said you're back snacker because you've been doing that floor. You all had a look at yeah. yours like, why would I want to do that when I can be a reality TV star and earn more money? <laughs> there is no good point to touch on that. You know, at the moment I'm going through the process. I went through the process of um, getting an apprentice through the college, yeah. uh, and the one thing did make me laugh. They, they got me to write out like a, a job post or a job application, which I did, and I sent it in with all the basics of what the job would entail. And the woman at the careers office emailed me back and said, "Look, we've had to." put a few things on top of what you've sent us uh, to cover various things that you've missed out. Have a read through and let us know what you think. So I had a read through and the stuff that they had added to my job advert was things like candidates will be expected to stand for long periods of the day. Candidate will be expected to work with their arms above head. Candidate will be expected to lift arms for long periods of the day. Oh, and also, that sounds right, though, isn't it? <laughs> and she said, we have to put these kind of things on there now because otherwise we'll have people turn around to us and say, well, you never said. You, you never said that you we'll, we'll lift soft, your arms. We'll soft-soaked them, haven't we, and created snowflakes? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I know when I had my apprentice, I had to even supply blooming sun cream. And all he had to supply it, I had to make sure I told him four times a day to apply it. Oh, well, mate, I was, I was about to wonder whether you were going to tell me you had to rub it in his back. <laughs> uh, I had to remind him four times a day to apply sun cream. Otherwise, oh. I'd, I'd be, if, if he went and said I didn't, I'd be in bother. I was going to say, I the worst thing is come if to. you didn't tell him, then no doubt you'd either have, I don't know, whoever it might be, his parents or whatever education he was coming through, somebody would have blamed you for that. It's CITB, um, it's all box ticking for CITB. Yeah, yeah, well, I've just yeah. gone through the ITB registration. So, but yeah, it's, um, I mean, that side of it's a bit of a worry, but certainly maybe the money will drive kids back into it, maybe it won't. I mean, I've got, um, I said to my son, only the weekend just gone, I said, there's a lot of pressure on you, you know. So what, what do you mean? I said, well, fourth generation. Said, you know, you'd be the fourth generation. So if if you choose not to come into the business, you're going to be throwing a, a three generation family business under the wheels here. <laughs> <laughs> you're so, the one that's breaking the chain letter. <laughs> going to get all the bad luck. I've always had kids though, to be fair. I've had many times where I turn around and I'm not going to great, so that's not for me. Yeah. Um, I think there's always that element of wanting to push back and do your own thing and not follow your parents. But um, 
yeah, the, no regrets, mate. No regrets. Yeah. It's been I love the trade. I really do. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've, I've got no regrets on it. So where, where do you see yourself and company in five, ten years' time then? Um, I'd like to say in the same place. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, uh, I mean, we, we touched on it earlier, but the, my main concern is uh, the wear and tear on the body. That, that's yeah. the biggest concern for me because coming, being a third generation decorator, I've, I've seen my dad and I've seen my granddad and I've seen both of them towards the end of their careers with neck problems, back problems, shoulder problems, knee problems. Uh, my dad at the minute, when he's struggling to walk, he's waiting on um, well, he's waiting on everything at the minute because nothing's going ahead. But it's looking like he's probably going to need a hip replacement. Yeah, um, that's me. <laughs> um, yeah, getting into the trade at such an early age. I mean, I'm only 36 now, but I've been doing the job 20 odd years, so I've yeah. put a lot of muscles on myself from quite a young age, and I've already got arthritis in three of my knuckles. Um, so getting back to the question, where do I see myself five, ten years? Probably in the same place, but probably moving towards some sort of plan B just based on what I don't want to do. I don't want to get myself to the stage where I have to stop because I've absolute, you know, I've, my knees are gone or, yeah. or my back's gone. I'd rather step out prior to that. If I could work away, I don't know, some kind of become some kind of bionic painter where I knew in 10 years I could carry on at the pace I'm going. And in 10 years' time, I'll be fine. Or more to the point, that when I'm 60, 70, I'll be fine. I'll yeah. keep it as a mate. You know, yeah. I've got no no need to move out of it for any other reason. I'm just, I'm very conscious of the, the wear and tear on the body. And I don't want to stay in the trade to the point where I've run myself it's into the ground. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I've seen it, mate. I've seen it yeah. first hand and it's, not a good place. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting to a point. I love working outside where I'm getting to a point where I'm going to have to think about stopping it. Uh, my shoulder rotator's cuff, cuff's worn on my right shoulder. My hip's worn on right hand side and my, my knee's worn on right hand side. And so I've got I come home in, in summer and I'm in agony when I've been outside. Yeah, it, it does. It really does wear. I've got a feeling I've potentially got that sort of my right shoulder flares up. Um, probably three, four times a year, end up with tendonitis um, from trapping the tendons in the, the rotator. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely a worry, mate. I'm I'm a lot more conscious of it probably for two years than I have yeah. throughout my career because now talking, I've been on my hands and knees doing this floor for the past few days. My knees are killing me. Oh, they're throbbing. Mate. It's, it's, it's when you get up and it, it's like your, your toes are like they're in Mar Moroccan slippers where they're curled up on end. You, mean, you stand up yeah. and it takes a while for your toes to straighten out. That always gets me. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a tough one. You know, it is wearing. And I don't, as per, you've probably had so many people come on here and say this, but if I knew when I was younger, I would feel like now I'd have worn knee that's, pads. That, that's the next one. If you could go back to the young Ross... Christmas Carol oh. style, what advice would you give yourself? 100%, mate. Knee pads, every, everything I could do to put less wear and tear on my body, it would be that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think be... that's the most common one is knee pads. <laughs> it is, yeah, your knees. Um, and not only that, even stuff like uh, like the dustless sanding now, I think yeah. that takes a lot of the, the strain out of you know your shoulders and your elbows and things like that. Uh, I'd have got on that train a lot earlier than I did. Um, 
so yeah it, it would have been definitely being a lot more conscious but early 20s mate you think you're indestructible don't you so people tell you yeah. about knee pads you're like, oh, I'm fine I'm bouncing back and playing football the weekend nothing hurts me and yeah. then all of a sudden it, it blindsides you yeah it does it's it's bloody awful I've I still don't wear knee pads now. If it's more than one room, I'll go and get them off fan. But other than that, I'm too lazy to go and get them. I think by the time I've gone down yeah. to the van, unlocked it, got them out, I could be halfway around room. Well, I've been wearing knee pads for the past three days and I'm still in agony. So yeah. what I'd have been without them, I, I don't know. But it's just um, oh, the lads that work for me, I try and tell them as well about being economical with their movements. Because um, yeah. I always say, if I'm doing a room, I'll cut in all the top. Then I'll do everything at standing level. Then I'll do everything at floor that, level. That, just that's so exactly top. how I do it. Cut in top, a foot down corner, walk round, yeah. do all edges standing high, your window reveal, and then round bottom. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly the one, mate. Because what I don't want to be doing is kneeling and standing and kneeling and standing. Yeah, and, and I, I always go clockwise as well because it's less moves. But that comes from working on, yeah, right, on, uh, on prices. When you were doing council houses, if you, if you went across your face in soffit, if you're right-handed, if you went left to right, you could do it in just yeah. three shifts. If you're going right to left, it were five shifts. Which would be a ladder, which it adds up. I haven't done that kind of work in a long time, but I know when like we're working at height regs now and the health and safety, you know, the lads that do the council houses, do they have to tie into the building before they move along? Do they have to do that? Uh, last lot I did... About 18 years ago, I think it was, I, I, I could stand to be corrected, anything above second floor, because this always boggled my brain, anything above second floor, you have to like, have it tied in you know, with a hilti eye bolts and tie it mm. in, I think, well, surely some bugger's got to go up with hilti gun and put it in, and they're not tied in, so how's that work? <laughs> but the reason I ask that is I know uh, the, last couple, the last couple of house moves I've had, when we've had Sky out to put a new dish on the building. Oh, they they're come... fannies. So they there's at... any Sky blokes listening, but the fannies. They won't put a satellite dish on my mum's bungalow because they had to put it on chimney, which was on Gable at front, and it was too high for them on a bungalow. This is what I'm saying, though, Chris. They look like they're about to climb Everest. They, they yeah. turn up with much gear, and they have to drill in and tie in. Um, I did a my uh, SFSTS course um, probably about six years ago now. Because um, although I've been in business for 20-odd years, I've, I've dipped out a couple of times. Um, the one occasion, I worked as a contract manager for about 18 months, which was shirt and tie uh, for a company, doing a load of insurance work. We through a couple of friends of mine that I got them into the insurance work and they took off and they asked me to come on full-time and, and manage, which I thought at the time, well, might be a step into management. And Long story short, I absolutely hated it. And obviously, yeah. I'm back where I am now. But as part of doing that, I had to do my SMSDS course. And part of that was anyone working at height, um, I can't remember what height was, probably three meters, but had to tie in, bolt yeah. into the wall for every shift. I just thought, Christ, you imagine doing those old council jobs where oh, you yeah. <laughs> do that. Be horrendous. We we used to. I know when I worked with a bloke, we used our council houses used to have their colour scheme was black face, your white soffit. And what yeah. you used to do if if you're working without apprentice, if you're working on old blocks, one would start at right, one would start at left, one would have kettle of black, one would have kettle of white. You'd work it middle, swap, and go back. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fantastic. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, oh, it, it, is there anything to make it quicker and earn more money? You know what, Chris, the, the one I did uh, in that period I told you about, part of it, because it was all PVC windows by then on this estate, and part of the job was you had to use the PVC cleaner and clean yeah. down all the windows, or the, the white plastic. Um, and I remember, obviously, it was all exterior work, and it was peeing it down the one day. So I was sat in my van waiting for the rain to pass. I looked out, and they were all still working. And what they did, the lads, the other subbies, is when it started raining, they just got their waterproofs on, got the PVC cleaner out, and went and did all the PVC cleaning because, obviously, the rain didn't affect it. Yeah. Um, yeah, horrendous, mate. Yeah, it's uh, it, it were good times and bad times for me. I, I remember some shit times doing stuff like that. I remember some good times. Yeah, yeah I guess if you, if you had like a community, you lads doing it, it would have been a laugh. I was on my own. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just in amongst the subbies, and the subbies were treated like lepers because we were doing the houses twice as fast as the lads that were on the books and showing well, you, them you, off. So you were taking all the council work. That's because I'll be honest. When we worked for council and subways come in, they, we just looked at them as they're taking our work. You know, yeah. that's how we looked at it. You know, with our young kid, I didn't know the different. You know, but yeah. God, are you um, are you a tech person at all? Technology person? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. on top of that, yeah, yeah. Is is there any app program that you can't live without, or any other tech that you use for work? Oh, mate, the one app that I can't live without is Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with you but, on that. Yeah, beyond that, I mean, using for work, um, I'm all online with my quoting and my invoicing systems now. Um, my diary is all online, so that all keeps it keeps it easy. If I'm honest, I've got to credit my wife on that because until I met her, um, I stayed away from it. Even social media, I didn't even have a Facebook account until I met my wife, which was uh, about four, four and a half years ago. Um, I was very anti-social media, didn't want to be on it, didn't want to know. Um, and she sort of opened my eyes because she runs her own business as well. Yeah. Um, and she said, you're missing a trick. You need to do this, you need to do that. And she's always pushing me. She's the one that will turn around and say, I found this for you. I found that for you. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm quite into it now. But yeah, I've yeah. got to credit her for that. She certainly pushed me in that direction. And I know this one's going to be interesting. Any book recommendations? Oh, mate, where do I start? Do, do doesn't I have start? to be business related. It can be just... Any book you fancy, you know, that you're quite hung up on? Yeah, um, There's a, a book called um, The Obstacle is the Way, which uh, is written by um, the the, cha- uh, the same bloke who, I know you read The Daily Stoic. Yep, same I can go in there. I thought it was near. It's not. Um, holiday, is that right? Yep, Ryan Holiday. Oh, Holiday. Uh, holiday, yeah. Holiday. Well, Ryan Holiday. Um really good book um i've just finished uh, listening to an audio book called how to think like a roman emperor i'm well into stoics stoicism yeah. philosophy psychology um i'm actually i'm doing a psychology degree at the moment so um always doing a bit of that mate um in fact you know that touches on my uh my, my exit strategy as it were 10 year yeah. plan um so yeah doing an open university psychology degree at the moment um but yeah i Love learning, mate. So I've done a lot of research into human evolutionary psychology. Uh, there's a couple of books. One called uh, Sapiens and Homo, Di- Homo Deus. Yeah, um, really, Duval really. Navari in it. Is he, is he the yeah, one? I've, I've got them on my uh, on my order bill, but I've not got round to them yet. It's done oh. three anti. 
Yeah, I've I've listened to the two Sapiens and um, Amadeus. Really yeah. good book. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm quite eclectic with my books. Really, I read a bit of fiction as well now and again. Um, but all sorts, mate. I've studied uh, evolutionary psychology, psychology. Uh, I've done a lot of looking into Buddhism. Not that I'm religious, but um, do, do you know, I'm not religious. But I always said if I ever got into religion, it'd be Buddhism because it's just so laid back. Yeah, you know, my parents are religious. They, it's, I'm just anti-religion. <laughs> and me, I'm, I'm not. I haven't had any reason to be anti-religious other than just my own sort of like thoughts. Yeah. Um, but Buddhism, it just speaks a lot of truth. It's a lot of fact-based. I mean, when you take out the storyline underlying it and the Buddha story, yeah. um, and you look into the practices and the mindfulness and things like that, it's it's incredible. Yeah. Um, the whole the power of the mind thing really really interests me so yeah. i always found um what always interests me is the amount of attention that the negative power of the mind gets and is widely accepted so in terms of everybody knows what stress can do yeah. uh, you know i mean it can give you skin conditions it can put you at risk of a heart attack it can it can do all these things um and everyone accepts that you know oh it's stress that's fine but the minute you start talking to somebody about having a positive mind and say the health benefits potentially of like, meditation and mindfulness and all that kind of thing, you're seen as a hippie. Yeah. So I don't understand why it's so widely accepted. That Is it negative- odd because people are negative about positive? Possibly. Yeah. yeah the, possibly. You know, there's a negativity about, about people that are positive. You know, I think it was, I'm a couple of days behind on Daily Stoic because you're supposed to start it in January. Well, I believe you do. I've I've just decided now, I read it last year, I'm just going to read it every year. Um, That one the other day, it was was something like, just let go of the shit you can't control because stressing about it ain't going to cure it. Absolutely. You know, which which is right. You know, it ain't going to cure it. It is, mate, and all all stress, everything comes from your own mind, doesn't it? I mean, most people who are... Um, and it's not to discount it, I mean, stress is obviously really serious, but most people that are stressed in the actual moment that they're stressed, there's nothing going on. It's yeah. just purely what is in your mind. Um, and, yeah, I went through um, a marriage breakdown uh, maybe six, six, seven years ago. And that was what triggered my sort of insight into all this. Yeah. Um, because up until then, I'd always been like your typical lad. You know, I'd, nothing can affect me. Nothing can bother me. I'm made of nails. I'm, you know, emotions just weren't a thing and then all of a sudden I went through that and suffered with anxiety uh you know having an anxiety attack was like what the hell is it yeah um when that happens it's like what yeah yeah it it was terrible but what it did it kind of lit uh, a fire of interest in me where I I found it fascinating the the physical symptoms of anxiety and stress because I I suffered them I had them um I just found it amazing that what was going on in my brain was manifesting itself physically in my yeah. body. Um, and that was what got me started on the whole psychology track and uh, all of that. And it, it's just gone, I've gone down a rabbit hole with it. But I, 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 uh, I, w- I went on a, last year, year before I went on a stag do, brother-in-law stag do, a music, five-day music festival in Spain. Yeah. <laughs> Some stuff, yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> one of the blokes there back to you there yeah what one of the blokes there I was talking to him he'd, he'd got a degree at uni and he run a engineering firm he owned it he was a director and he really let himself 
let his hair down, not himself, let his hair down on this holiday. And I was chatting to him one night when we'd had a few, like you do, because uh, there were that uh, litres of Desperado you were buying over there. Yeah. And uh, he was saying to me, he'd lost his wife. He was pushing, I think he was early 50s. He'd lost his wife in his 40s to cancer. And he says he just yeah. went off rails, you know, left business in his other partner's hands and just went off rails two years. And he went to, went traveling. And he says he ended up in America and he became a shaman. Oh, that was, <laughs> he was telling me the whole thing about it, magic mushrooms a lot. You know, and you yeah. see him in the mind and all that. And I thought, Jesus Christ, that's that's a bit different from, I mean, I'd seen these local things with bloody retreats, you know, for Buddhism. But I thought, that's total opposite end at scale, is that? Becoming a shaman okay. sort of thing. Do you ever listen to any of the Joe Rogan podcasts? No, there's there's that many and they're that long. I've been trying to catch up on some yeah. construction ones today and I struggle because either I spend too much time talking on my phone, customer comes in, you know, and I, I keep... I, there's one I've had on today, two and three quarter hours. I think I've listened to an hour because my phone keeps yeah, ringing. At the, at the moment, or if I'm working on a job on my own, I'm just audio books or podcasts all day long. Yeah. Um, and Joe Rogan, he talks a lot about the whole magic mushrooms and I think psilocybin is the, the drug in them and how enlightening it's meant yeah. to be. Well, that's why mm-hmm. Indians do it, in it? Because it shows them the path. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's just a lot of research uh, pointing towards it being responsible for a lot of the early predictions as well. Yeah. You know, all these sort of hallucinogenic episodes people were having um, and being accounted for that. But yeah. it's interesting, mate. Like I say, that the power of the mind is fascinating. Um, it's, I think it's really unexplored in terms of it should be educated a lot more at a base level. You know, teach that yeah. to our kids. That's going to benefit the kids. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, and getting back to the whole uni thing. And obviously, I sounded earlier like I wasn't a big advocate of going to uni. I'm not a big advocate of uni if you don't know what you want to do. So, like you mentioned about somebody yeah. doing a fashion degree and then ended up doing something else. It took me, um, I started this degree last year. So, it took me until I was 36 to work out what subject actually interested me enough to yeah. bother studying um and it's been brilliant mate i've, I've loved it yeah. um and I, you know i never went to i did sick form out of school but i never went to college never went to uni because i didn't have that direction and money was yeah. pulling me um so yeah jumping back into the academia after 20 years out was uh, it was a big leap but loving you're, it. you're about if i remember right i think my sister-in-law's doing the same course and you're about a year or two behind her. And she, right. she's 44. She's doing yeah. the same thing. Yeah. She, she's, yeah she, sent, um, she sent us some questions off for kids to fill in about how it's this lockdown's affecting them and each gender, yeah. how it affects them and age groups. You know, she, she's doing it in her course and she keeps sending them over. It plays, it's um, psychology. Everyone thinks, oh, well, you just want to be a psychologist. But there's so many directions you can go with it. I mean, it plays a massive in marketing, advertising, um, obviously uh, uh, corporate affairs, like a lot of companies get um, people in for mindfulness speeches and stuff like that now. So there's a lot of directions and I'm I'm doing the general course so I can go off in a few different directions. Um, But that's, I suppose, that kind of like my background plan. I want to get that, get the qualification, possibly go on and do a master's. and then 10, 15 years down the line, whenever it might be, I've got a plan B. Yeah, you know, that's, got, that's got, your end game exit plan. 
Maybe, maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd say what it is at the moment, it's my parachute. Yeah. Because it's it, it's the thing that's going to potentially be there when I go, right, I can't do this no more. You know, I'm getting to the stage where I'm, you know, walking like a 50-year-old. See, I've, I've leapt out at playing and even go parachute on. <laughs> <laughs> it's go till I drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but mate, I know so many people. I know so many people that did it. My dad, my dad's one of them. He's um, 65, 66 now. Um, and he he's still decorated like he's still having to decorate out of necessity but it's a struggle um it's kind of been i suppose partially a bit of the influence on me thinking i need to do something sorted. yeah uh just in case because yeah i guess i don't want to be in that similar position um i mean if i could guarantee my joint um I wouldn't even be looking elsewhere, you know, I'm quite happy yeah. doing what I'm doing. I'm not trying to get out of it because I don't like the trade or anything like that. It's, yeah. it's just fully um, being conscious of my own limitations physically. So what's what's best advice you could give for selling yourself that sets you apart from others? Um, sets me apart from others. You, you're, you're going to look at a job? And you're pricing up. I mean, it, it doesn't always happen because it depends what how many you've got in the air. But say you're pricing up against three others. Mm. Best advice you can give that sets you apart from them three others that are saying, yeah, we'll do the best job for you and we'll do it for this price. Uh, I guess in, in that circumstance, I would just, rather than worry about what the other people are doing, I'd sell myself. Um, yeah. And in terms of that, it's having a good portfolio of work behind me. Obviously, the dustly sanding, the spraying, whether it's relevant to the job, you know, those are things that kind of set, you, set yourself aside a little bit. Um, I don't know, I've listened to a few of your podcasts and you say that everyone around or you does dustly sanding. Um, yeah. Around with me, funnily enough, there isn't a lot of it. It still seems to be a relatively new thing. You know, customers are surprised to see it. Um, so that's still a bit of a selling point around my area. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess. Uh, to sound a bit arrogant <laughs> um, I, I don't really worry about that stuff anymore um, yeah. I'm, I'm well established uh, I've got a good portfolio behind me and I know that I, I, th- know I think once, you, once you've got into a habit and you have a set a set plan of it's, it's not so much a plan but when you know your job and you're comfortable in your job and you go and look at a job it's, it's not cocky it's it's just I mean I'm not the world's most confident person, but I think when you know your job, you've got an interest in it, and you go to a job, you don't worry about that because you're enthusiastic, and it just comes natural. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, the the term for it is exuding confidence, isn't it? Yeah. You you don't have to look cocky, but you you have an aura about you that shows that you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm always quite thorough when I go out to vote as well, so I run through all the various options of what materials I can offer, um, what paint finishes they want, what the process is going to be. And a lot of the time, just running through that in detail is enough to demonstrate, you know, what you're talking about, as opposed to your, uh, what was it, Wobbly Bob? Yeah. As yeah, opposed Wobbly to Bob's, Bob's, yeah. Well, ones that are claiming disability, but working out at boot at car. This is it. I mean, that, That's that where the term good. come from, because they wobbled out road with a fake, with a stick. <laughs> I've, I've seen them in... I've seen them at pub, and my other half seen it as well because she used to work in in well, not so where she used to work somewhere, and uh, 
that they'd be sat there from when it opened at 11 o'clock with the sticks or sticks as the term we have for them. They'd be all sat around the table, print world track with sticks, get up, get halfway up road and then think, shit, I forgot my walking stick and come back for it. <laughs> That's yeah. it. They'd be know, in Dave's house for cash in hand. For yeah. Beer. But they're going to walk in and go, oh, 200 quid for your lounge, love. You know, that's what they're going to come out with. So, yeah, um, I don't, like I say, I don't tend to concern myself too much for the competition anymore. Um, You know, I'm fortunate that I've got a long enough waiting list. Um, And maybe I'd be different if I was down to working a couple of weeks in advance of myself. I'm sure I would be feeling pressure a bit more. But there's definitely comfort in the knowledge when I'm going out quoting, knowing that I've got, However many months, whether it's three, four, five, six, seven, eight months ahead of me, um, there's definitely comfort in that when you go out quoting because without sounding flippant, um, you don't need the work. Um, yeah, not you're, you're not as hungry for it, are you? Um, you're I don't know. not as cutthroat because you know you're comfortable because you've got six months in advance. Yeah, well, I, I think with me... Um, Luckily, I haven't had to be cutthroat in a long time. It's not really something I consider doing. Um, I just go out there. I quote it where I want to quote it. Um, and generally, if I'm quoting that far in advance, I'm also putting my prices up. I've, um, just, I've just done mine this week. I've just done three. Uh, just put my hourly rate up on them. Do you know what, mate? Um, it's, it's a bit of a business plan kind of thing. Um, but I look at four months. So four months is my, that's my comfort. That's my safety barrier that that's my little bubble yeah. um, that i need in above four months i'll look at inflating my rate to accommodate with the demand yeah um and at the moment I'll certainly there's more demand for me than there is me demanding the work see that, uh, that's, that's my plan to when a lot want to grow and get bigger i want to grow where the demand outweighs the supply i yeah. can drive my price up which I'd, i've just done again yeah. It's, it's, it's like little steps. Keep driving my price up, and then I can do cherry pick the work I want to do for the best price. Yeah, well, this is price what I can get for myself. Yeah, exactly, mate. I, th- I think that's got to be the target for anyone, really. Um, yeah. Now, having a full diary shouldn't be the target. Yeah. Uh, just, just having a, a fully booked, you could be booked up for two years in advance, but if you're getting paid, you know, 50% less than the next man, yeah. um, it's. For for me, it's been busy doing the work you want to do at the rate yeah. you want to charge. Absolutely, mate. I mean, touching back on books, um, there's a book called The Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Um, and it, it's not really angled at our industry, but the concepts are there. Um, and he talks a lot about your your time versus your wage ratio. Yeah. Um and I um I mentioned this to you uh, when I first spoke to you on the first telephone call. Um, and there's the concept that if you if you put your prices up by 20%, yet you lose 20% of your work, you're still better off because you're getting yeah. the same money, but you're doing it in four days now rather than five. Yeah. Um, that's what a lot of people seem to get scared of, scared of putting their prices up. They want to keep getting all the work, where in reality, if you can win less work but at a better rate, you're, yeah. you're, you are better off. Then, then you get a, a better family work-life balance because you're getting that time at home. Of course, I'd love to work three, four days a week and still get paid what I work in a week. I really would. Yeah. My price is up in the past with the intention of trying to claw some time back. And then I keep getting the jobs accepted even more. <laughs> and I'm still 
just as busy as I ever well, was. I suppose so. that's one of the pluses of being a skill shortage because there ain't as many around. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, um, it's there's not as many around. And uh, again, I can only speak for the people that I know around me. But a lot of the lads, I know I've got a good. As I say, growing up in a family of decorators, you get to know a lot of other decorators and a lot yeah. of the other decorators in my local area that have been going for 20, 30 years, similar to me. Um, you know, some, most of them, they still don't even use social media. You know, they're, yeah. not on, they're not on Instagram. They don't bother with any of that. You know, they'd probably still be advertising in the yellow pages if it was around. That, that's um, a bit like where I am now. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's... I read a quote uh, a while back, and it was, this might not be exactly what it was, but it was similar. And it was, it's not the strongest that survive, it's those that adapt the fastest. Yeah. Um, and that's it. You, you have to stay on top of things, you know. If something is working, um, and again... Well, that, well that's, that's more prevalent now in this COVID situation. The ones that have pivoted and basically pivoted and swapped the company around now, even from like, for me, the local pubs, they're doing takeaways, Sunday dinners. You know, they yeah, pivoted yeah. quick and they're surviving, whereas the ones that took too long, well, well, that's yeah. why, that's why uh, I think he's gone, hasn't it? Top Man, all, all them gone. Uh, yeah. And a lot of the big companies, because there was a report on them saying they were so slow to get on board with, uh, not social media, online selling, that yeah. they got left behind. You know, retailers. They're absolutely flying. Um, and it is, it's about adapting. It's about staying on top of things and keeping on top of trends. And um, I was guilty. Um, I've been guilty of being stuck in my ways. I'd say out of being in the decorating trade 20 years, I've evolved more in the last five years than I have in the first 15. Yeah. First 15 Do you find it's, this is leading on to my next one, where you see the trade heading. Do you find it's the, the changes within it are more rapid now than there was, say, maybe 15, 20 years ago? Um, I don't know whether the changes are more rapid or whether we can see them more. Yeah. Um, or the, again, the decorators are more educated and hungry yeah, for knowledge. And, they and are. To better themselves. And I do think the trade's coming on a lot. And to answer your question, you know, moving forwards, I think there's going to be a lot more spraying. Um, I, I think it will probably progress a bit more that way i'm not sure about domestic work when people are living in the properties um yeah. certainly i think um your new build will all start being sprayed out from scratch yeah. um so i think that'll head that way um but yeah in, in terms of the, the trade coming on a lot um i think social media again has got a lot to blame and it gives you a slight false perception on things because you log on to instagram and uh, and Facebook and the rest of it and the decorators with say the most followers are turning out by and large the higher quality work um, and it's getting publicised a lot you know you can or I can see your work and you're in a part of the country where ten years ago I'd never known of you yeah. um, I can see pick decorators work from all across the country and uh, Instagram's a highlight reel isn't it you're not posting yeah. well, you shouldn't be posting shit work. Um, <laughs> by and large it's a highlight reel um, yeah. so yeah I think the information is just a lot more available um, yeah. I mean there's, it's a big place the UK it's got a lot of room for a lot of decorators and um, you're only seeing a snapshot on there but yeah. everyone on Instagram 
I, I think it's great. You know, Instagram was a great move for me. Um, I've certainly raised my game. I look at lads on there and it's, it's 100% it's made me raise my game. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'd probably say Instagram was what got me into Dustly Sandy. Um, yeah. But because prior to being on those platforms, you just didn't know. I mean, yeah. you go to your trade center and they push something for a little bit, but you know, you're always dubious about making big investment. Um, so, yeah, I think it has come on a long way, but I also think that social media has come on a long way and it just makes everyone a lot more aware. It's, it's, made, it a, it's made it a smaller world, hasn't it? In a, in a- yeah, definitely. But there's still the old school ones are still carrying on as they always did, oblivious of, of what's going on. Yeah. Um, and as I say, in, in my area, and I look around and I look at my competition locally, there's still not that many with just the standards, and there's not that many that are spraying. The sprayers tend to be quite specialised, and they'll, they'll just do spraying. Um, there aren't that many crossover decorators. There are a few, but again, we're talking about a really big area. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think moving forwards, mate, I think there'll be a lot more framework. Um And hopefully, you know, I'm hopeful. I think that if the more exposure the industry can get, the higher the levels can get, it will get. Well, that's, recognize. that's one of the old points of this podcast to highlight the trade and get exactly. us to the top like they are in Europe because here I saw it on a on a Facebook group the other day for a power tool Facebook group and it's all I'm racking back a decorator I'm racking back back in my van out and one at trade straight away from a chippy was mm. just as long as you've got enough hooks for your can uh, plastic bags full of special bro I just thought, fucking bellend. I could have replied to that and said, as long as you've got plenty of room for your court, because Joyner just says, oh, decorate will sort it out. We'll be at Phil Love. You know, and I just thought, that's just their general opinion of decorators, isn't it? You know, if you can pitch up and paint, it all boils back down to that. We'll struggle to shape that, certainly in the next decade. You know, maybe the new generation, um, maybe the kids coming into it, if they are coming into it, into those other. Yeah have a bit more respect i mean yeah. i personally i feel that i am now getting more respect from people like carpenters and joiners yeah. um a lot of the lads that we're doing work for with some of the bespoke furniture that we're spraying off like the mdf units and that um you know the chippies can't speak highly enough of us yeah. because they know that we're going in and making their work look you know the dogs um so yeah i think it, it can only be a good thing mate i'm all for raising people up um, uh, raise, raising the bar Absolutely, mate. Raise yeah. the whole industry, you know, raise What's, it as high as possible because we'll pull everyone up with us. I'd, I'd probably no answer to this because it's probably the same as what mine was when I did my own podcast when they turned tables on me. What's your best investment work-wise? <laughs> <laughs> I only know yeah, because you, it were mentioned earlier, pre-record. Yeah, yeah, you already know the answer, mate. It's, it's non-materially, mate, all day long. All yeah. Day long. Um, knowledge, never stop learning. Never be arrogant enough to think that you know it all. Um, and admittedly, I've, I've probably had times where I've, I've been in that position. Um, certainly while I was living a more enclosed life, like I said earlier, when I wasn't looking at the social media element of things and I was living in a smaller decorating community of people I knew and I'd look around and I would, I'd, I'd think, yeah, I'm better. And then you open your eyes to things like... You, you, you know, thought you were Billy Big Bollocks till you go on social media thought, shit, I'm way yeah. behind. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely, mate. I did. Yeah. Um, all it's done though is rather than sort of shrivel back, I've I've looked and I've thought, right, okay, okay, there's there's more levels here. Yeah. Um, it's been brilliant, mate. It's been the best thing for me. I look at some of the lads' work and I think, yeah, you, you know, you're heading shoulders above me. I need to get there. Yeah. Um, it's not so- that you you can't do it. It's the fact that you you're pushing yourself to do it because we're elevating each other to get there. Yeah, I, exactly. I want to do stuff like that. I want to do stuff like that. That's it, mate. You, you look at people's finishes and you think, that's brilliant. Like, I want mine to look like that. And they elevate yeah. it. I mean, in terms of tools, uh, the best thing I've invested in was definitely the dust sanding yeah. for me. Um, you know, that, that was an absolute game changer because not only for sort of uh, ease of use physically, um, but the, the levels that you can do. I mean, I used to obviously do all hand sanding and prep work. Um, and I, you know, my prep, my prep side of the game was always, always like paramount. Um, but I look back now at some of the jobs that I'd done prior to having dust this standing, and I think I could have done that so much better. It would have been so much better with dust this standing. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was definitely the best investment on tools. What was? Yeah. Yeah, knowledge, mate. You can't, you can't put a value on knowledge. It's um, absolutely priceless. Just, just coming up to the last few now. Don't know if you'll remember this Room One Hundred One. You ever remember that TV program? I do remember Room One Hundred One, yeah. mate. Yeah. Three, go on then. Three things you'd bin. Don't have to be decorating related. Just three things you'd send out conveyor belt into bin. Oh, doesn't have to be decorator related. Yeah. That's, that, <laughs> that's opened up a whole world, mate. Isn't it? I'll, I'll try and keep it as relevant as possible. Um, the first thing, mate, and I know that they're integral to carpet fitters. Ripper rods. <laughs> Devil spawn. <laughs> oh, my toes and my knuckles. Jesus Christ, the amount of, the amount of casualties I've had with that. Um, yeah, I mean, when you, you've cut the two inch around a carpet that's being replaced and you're painting the bottom of skirting yeah. boards and it's having your knuckles away every time. Um, absolutely hate them. I know that they're needed, mate, but it's not my problem. They can invent something else to do that with. Um, beyond that, Christ, uh, what else? What else can I chuck into room 101? By and large, mate, plasterers. Plasterers can go into room 101. <laughs> um, and it's just surely, mate, I, I remember, because I've, I've been in the trade a few years, they used to be so much better. You yeah. know, I really do think it's an industry where their, their standards have been allowed to slip. I mean, industry standard used to be two coats of skin. Now it's one. I, um, I read somewhere other day, I don't know how true it was, that it's something to do with the lack of ingredient in the plaster that don't make it as good. Whether that's bollocks or not, I'll be blunt, I don't know. Now, like I said, the old school plasterers I knew always used to put two skims on. Yeah. And they'd polished it up sometimes to the degree where it was so shiny, your first coat of paint would have just skid on it. Yeah, just skid across yeah. it, your roller. But the finish was amazing. Um, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember the last time I saw one like that. And I know now, nine out of ten plasterers, they're using one coat of skim and they're using them big plastic trowels. Speed um, skim. Yeah. That it, it's, it's just, and to have a trade where you can get away with saying, well, yeah, that's just how we do it now and the decorator will fix I'll it. Sort it out with a bit of filler. <laughs> well, it's not a bit of filler though, is it? It's a 10 kilo. I, I, I went to one... Oh, first week in December. Uh, I think they had her pants down anyway. This woman should had a room about 16 foot square, 
see that damp proof coursing done. Four and a half grand. With damp proof coursing in, put new skating boards on. And she was like, oh, they've made a brilliant job at plaster. You ought to see him shit the pants when he's turned up with a sprayer. It just highlights everything. And she says, oh, they've done such a good job. Miscoated it, got sander out. And she's like, oh, I didn't know you sand it. It's new plaster. I said, see everywhere where it's bare? I said, that's where it's shit. Because you could yeah. speak you could speak freely with her. I said, it's like your wall's got cellulite. I yeah. said, all them dimples all over the wall. I said, it's crap. I said, it's not level. And it's then, so crowd, also, isn't it? I think yeah. that one waves in it. And then once we could see on chimney breath were like a, an arced wave across it where we'd gone across it. Mm. And, and eventually when I got paint on, uh, I filled it out best I could. And I thought, I ain't doing any more. You know, so I, I did, you know, what I could for the quality of what she was paying. And she got plaster back in then to redo it. And they were like, they were like what's your problem? I said, I said, it ain't great. I said, shine a light across that. And they didn't like it because I had festival light on it. That's yeah. another thing they don't like. Would like oh, there's there's many things, but I, I don't know. It just it really bothers me that there's a trade out there that can get away with saying, "Well, we can do our job so badly that you have to fix it," and that's okay. That's accepted. Yeah, you know, cross you imagine. I mean, who do we turn to? Yeah, you know, I used to have one it's a knock really, on effect in it. Yeah, I, yeah. I used to have some really good plaster, and he emigrated. He went to Australia. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and ever since then, um, I mean, I'm sure there's some out there, but I don't know where they're hiding. They're like rocking our shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, the last thing, mate, it might be um, what seemed like a minor one, but I just personally hate using the things. Scaffold towers, hate them. Yeah. Give me a ladder or give me scaffolding, but then portable, mobile scaffold towers. Oh. You like, not down with them? No. <laughs> I don't the indoors, whatever. I just don't like them at all. I'd rather go up a rickety ladder. I don't know what it is. I, just, I don't like the way they move. I don't like the way I have to climb through. It's, it's when they're worn a bit in this sway, I'm not over keen on it. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think all of the ones I've been up have swayed. Um, and them hatches, you know, the ones that you have to put your finger in and pull They're never little. big enough to get through, are they? Nah, not with a tin of paint in your hand. Um, <laughs> Then I'm forever, I'm forever paranoid. I'm gonna do a, a Dow boy and just drop through the thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, mate, I don't. I hate them towers. Uh, yeah, get rid of them. Or yeah. the scaffold, it will use a ladder. Nowhere in between. And uh, what what are your hobbies outside of work? Um, well, it's hard now, isn't it? Because not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sat- Ordinary, mate. Yeah, non non pandemic. Um, I'd say. Back in my day, it used to be football. I used to play a lot of football, but again, age and injuries has stopped that. So um, training, really, gym. So I'll hit the gym when I can. It's a great bit of mind space for me. Yeah. I tend to find that switch off for an hour, you know, go and throw. I don't do a lot of cardio. I tend to throw a load of weights around. I'll just spend an hour. And it, it just um, it, it just zeroes the clock for me. I'll, I'll just switch off for an hour. Yeah. Um, which definitely uh, sounds even after a hard day's work. It's, it's different. It's different. The different physical. See, I, I, I prefer in the morning. I, after work, I just couldn't be asked. I used to go in the morning. Oh, no. It's straight after work. work. Yeah. If I go home, I'm never going back out. Yeah. If I go on the way home, I'm fine. Um, so, yeah, training and, and education, mate. Man, that makes me sound like a right boring kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it, mate. Love learning. Um, you know, just uh, reading up on various topics. It's, uh, it's 
a, a big um, passion of mine these days. Yeah. But yeah, like I say, mate, I, I quit playing football. I played football all the way up till from eight years old till I was 30. Um, then tried cycling for a bit and uh, <laughs> both of them have gone out the window. <laughs> what road bike or mountain bike? Road bike, yeah. We used yeah. to do some distance on road bikes. We um, A group of mates of mine, we all knocked playing Sunday league football on the head around about the same time. It was about half a dozen of us went and spent decent money. Um, and I went and bought, um, you into your biking? No, I, I used to do a bit of BMXing when I was younger. Uh, oh. And then I, I, I do more leisurely now, a bit of mountain biking, but we, we, we've we got a few that's join up row from me, Tony. I, I take piss out in mammals, middle-aged men in Lycra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was one of them. <laughs> all, we, we've got a load, because I live up coast, we've got a load of back lanes and they all ride to abreast. Oh, mate, yeah. If, if, that's what, that'd be one of my, probably another, what one of my number 10 in my room 101. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cyclists that ride to abreast on a country lane. You know what, Chris? I'm a massive hypocrite because I used to do it, and then I'd be pissed off at the people that I'd see out doing it as well. So, oh, we we've been round greats at Side at Road. That irritates me when they do that. Some all of a sudden they'll just weave out, and I just think, oh, trust me, mate. If if you've ever ridden a road bike at a high speed, you'll understand why you swerve those drains because seat like like a razor blade. (laughs) I just remember that advert from years ago. Wheels only about 10, 15 mil thick. So if you hit anything, you, you're gone. Yeah. And 20, See, that, that's why I like a mountain bike. It's a bit more comfort because it wide tires. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, yeah, we got into that. And I used to do some decent distances. We did a few charity rides that were 100k and 75k and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, lasted for a couple of years, I guess. Um, and then two of my mates started having kids and I moved out of the area and uh, my bike's been sat in the garage ever since I met my wife after a couple of years ago. Keep on it, and keep on it. No, no, I'll get back out on it one day. Yeah, one day. <laughs> it's just collecting dust at the moment. Absolutely, mate. And the odds are I'll probably never will go out on it again. But uh, yeah, <laughs> admitting to it is another thing though, isn't it? Resigning yeah. yourself. It's, it's like that expensive running machine in spare room that's an expensive cl- clothes horse. I've got one of them as well, mate, yeah. <laughs> We've I've got, got, I've got I was a room, cross trainer yeah. years ago. <laughs> Although I must admit, I do get on it now and again. It does get a bit of use. I bought that. We went to Vegas um, just before the lockdown, actually. The lockdown in March. We were in Vegas in the October. Uh, we bought the treadmill then to get a, get a bit in a bit better shape for that. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm at that at the moment because... It's all up in air whether we're going on holiday in July and I'm on TRX in the morning. Yeah, well, that's good. Work. Yeah, that, that's, it's, I tell you what, it works wonders for shoulder. Yeah. You know, build, yeah. Build, building strength back up in shoulders, that's pretty good. I'll, be, I'll tell you what I'll be looking at tonight. I was on a Facebook group and somebody mentioned uh, cross ropes. Like, what? Mm. Weighted skipping ropes. Okay. They're like half a pound or a pound. And it's the yeah, weight that does the resistance. Yeah. It, works, it works more muscles. 180 quid. <laughs> Weighted skipping rope. <laughs> this equipment at the minute is insane, though, isn't it? Uh, they're yeah. completely profiting on the gyms being shut. But interesting you should say that because a few people have said to me, oh, you know, you get a few aches and pains. Stop going to the gym. You do a physical job. I was like, no, I feel 10 times better when I'm yeah. training at the gym physically than I do when I'm not. That, All that's... the that's what I was like when I was doing gym up until lockdown. It's I come home and I'd, I'd been gym before work, so I'd go before, and I'd ache, 
but it's a different ache to what I'd ache if I didn't go to gym because they did me a program that strengthened the muscles around my hip, around my shoulder. Yeah. You know, and that's there really is um, certainly again in it's a mind of- thing with the serotonin as well, isn't it? Giving that pumping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I feel much more awake if I do the workout before I go to work. I feel a bit more boosted, ready for the day. I don't think I've ever been to the gym and walked out of there thinking, I wish I never come. Yeah. It's, it's just going there. That's, it's there. like me in the morning. I was up at what? Five past five this morning. Start, started at quarter past five. Yeah, no, I'm on the other end of the day, mate. Mornings, I'm like, I'll, I'll drag out that alarm clock until the absolute. I'll, I'll look at where I'm working and think, right, okay, that's going to take me half an hour or an hour, and I'll work out my alarm clock accordingly to give myself the minimum. Oh, amount mad, of mad same time, five o'clock every morning. Oh no, no, no matter <laughs> where I'm working, unless unless I'm miles away and have to set off at stupid o'clock if it's if I'm working away. But other than that, five o'clock every morning, up exercise, walk dog. Come in here for a coffee, do a bit on social media or do a bit of paperwork, off to work. Mind you, I, I suppose the thing is you've, uh, you're coming home to your kids, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, that, a, that a, hour in the morning to me is worth two hours at night because I'd get more yeah. time. You know, it's, of course. I mean, like I said, unfortunately, my kids don't live with me full time. So most of the time I'm coming home and it's just me and my wife and she runs her own business. So she works, you know, long hours and she owns a, a salon so she yeah. tends to do some late nights and all the rest of it so i don't have that constraint to come back to um which uh don't get me wrong i'd rather have it the other way around but yeah. it is what it is yeah it's, it's, it's you don't always get a choice in it do you so going, uh, going back to the social media where can we find you online you can find me uh instagram facebook uh rdp painters and decorators search that or you will uh stumble across me at some point yeah. and on the other side on the flip side are you because you're a fan of insta you've already said are you are you loving on insta at the moment oh mate you're gonna make me upset people here no nah, this um, is why you should have you should have said yes to notes because you'd have had a bloody lift ready if you miss about yeah, now no, they'll, they'll be messaging you Oh yeah, hundred percent, mate. So I'll just I'll, I'll, after this comes out, I'll just have a whole list of about thirty people unfollow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, mate? I'm I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be diplomatic in that extent. Um, I follow loads of lad, uh, lads and girls, um, and there's some amazing work, amazing quality of work. Um, so I'm not really going. I'm not going to single anyone out. Um, you know, it, there's political answer. Who <laughs> many? To be honest, Chris, there's probably, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 maybe work that I'll look at, respect, give me ideas. Um, the one pe- the one person I would mention, um, and this is purely one of them things that I look at and think, how do I do that? How do I get to that level? Um, is ZK and that the yeah. fine paints of Europe and those high gloss finishes, mate, they are, yeah. they're, they're like special. The, the, there's a, there seems to be a, a few doing it over there now, don't they? Do you follow Shoreline? Yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah, I saw some. He, he does similar, and then there's another one. There was the, uh, it's, I think it's Sheldon, one I, I followed, does similar. He did one like, uh, it was almost like Farron and Ball, sulking room pink front door, and painted with fine paints Europe. Jesus, it was like a piece of glass. Yeah, those paints, mate, are doing, how do we get them? They're, um, that, it's just amazing, those high gloss ceilings that they do. Three, uh, I spoke to somebody other week who's looked at it, doing it over here, three grand to get the paint here. 
What? Do a ceiling, yeah. Yeah, they call it fine paints of Europe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I saw the ZK ones where they did uh, a bathroom, I don't know, or downstairs, it looked like a downstairs toilet. I think the um, last one I saw it was the one where it was all black. Yeah, it made it looked amazing. Yeah. Looked amazing. And that's one of those where I look at that and I think, yeah, that yeah, that's, that's well above well above where I'm at. I, I don't um, know if I'd have the patience for it. I'd I'd end up throwing Sandra across room, spitting, yeah, spitting gummy out. It's time consuming, isn't it? But I guess it's a niche. It's a niche in the market. And if somebody, yeah, I mean, they gain handsomely paid for it, but I still don't know whether that'd sway me. But the kitchens are bad enough. <laughs> yeah, they've done some of the some of the high gloss furniture as well, haven't they? That looks absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah so I think there's a lot of guys and girls in the UK that are absolutely smashing it. To be fair, um, you know, it, it's great to see, and I like seeing it at all stages as well. You know, it's yeah. not just people that are right at the top. I like to see the ones that are starting out. You know, it's yeah. great. I mean, in. I've I've been what done the Facebook group for about eight years. Must be been on Instagram. And I've known ones that have been employed, gone on their own, and mm-hmm. you can just see them going from strength to strength. I, there's a couple I know. I can remember them getting the first sprayer, and now the stuff yeah. they've, they've passed me. You know, the stuff they're doing, they're way past me, they're doing furniture, kitchen, churning them out one after other. They think they've gone from that zero to hero in such a short space of time, but just because they're nailing it, you know, and yeah, yeah. on it. It's brilliant, though, and I think, you know, social media does give you that kind of growth and that reach as well. Once you start um, finding success on there, it can, uh, you, you can, you can go from zero to hero, not overnight, but very close to, um, yeah. you start gaining a bit of traction. So, yeah. um, you know, getting that right is a huge part of business these days. Um, but yeah, there's, there's loads of top quality decorators out there to, to look at. Um, again, I'm, I'm thankful for the other ones as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, before with the, um, the whole pyramid system, you need people at the bottom to prop up. Everyone has a place. If, if they're happy what they're earning, everyone has a place. Absolutely, they do, it's, mate. It's finding your own place, isn't it? And targeting yeah, it is. It. It's, um, it's the ones that step out or try and uh, step into, you know, step out of their lane I don't want to say that because everyone should have ambition to do so but the ones that yeah, do, it's, there's a difference in the, we all want to elevate ourselves and get up to the next level and there's no to stop you yeah but it's the ones that are clearly haven't got a clue I'm it's, not saying I'm not saying I'm the world's best you know it's like me trying to compete with the case brace you know yeah. I know I'm never going to get there I've no interest in getting there so I wouldn't even attempt it but I think to do that though you've got to focus on such a a narrow demographic haven't you like yeah. um the stuff that zk are doing they're very very good at that specific thing yeah. um like personally i I'm a, I'm a painter number one i do spraying i do floor refurb i do restoration work i do such a broad yeah. sort of like umbrella of what i do i'm never going to focus on one thing that much it's, it's, it's i mean a, a lot of the americans they they find it a niche or a niche as we say yeah. <laughs> and uh, th- they just find a niche and get right into it, don't they? And dial it in, as they say, as well. You know, and we 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 just do majority of a lot of stuff. Yeah, exactly. But papering's the one for me. That's the one where you know, if you can't paper, leave it alone. Just don't don't try it. Try and blag it. Um, I did one. I don't know if you saw my post actually. Have you seen that mural? I've hung two of them there. Where it carried on through archway. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. 
one through the archway. I did um, a room. I actually had a designer bring me up uh, emergency phone call. Um, there was a, another room, a playroom um, on another property, lovely big house. And she'd asked me to do it. I wasn't available. I was too booked up. So she'd got she'd rung the Jewel Decorator Centre to ask for a reputable decorator and had took their recommendation. Um, when obviously, you know, who looks separated and they've never seen the blokes work. You might buy paint. In, in strolls wobbly bob. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> One strap <and> chaps. <laughs> but uh, it'd gone in and made this paper. We're talking maybe a 30 square metre wall space room and the wallpaper was just under a grand. Yeah. Um, he'd gone in, put two walls up and then said to the customer he couldn't do it and walked off the job. Um, the designer initially rung me and said, look, I think I just need you to finish the two walls. He's left the two walls with the bay windows in. I think the bay windows have just scared him off. Um, and when I actually looked at him, I mean, Jesus Christ, where do I start? He did, the first drop he'd put up on the slant. And by the time he'd got to the corner, it was a mural. So obviously you can't get any drop wrong. And he'd started, there was 11 centimetres, top and bottom of waste. So... Yeah. Two centimetres total wasted to play with. So it was, it was a good bit of room for error. Uh, it started at the very top of the picture, the very, very top. So Andy had gone on the slant. By the time he hit the first corner, he was about, I don't know, maybe four or five centimetres below the ceiling line. And he'd just tried to pass it off and then take it from the corner. Then Your ceiling's slant. out, love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the new build, your ceilings are wrong. Um, yeah. Anyway, it, it all had to come down, be resupplied and redone. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, that, that's one that bugs me a little bit, to be honest. With yeah. paper, it's, um, you know, if you can do it, you can. If you can't, you can't. So there's a there's a difference between painters and, and decorators in that respect. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with you on that. Brilliant. Well, it's yeah. been um, it's been great to have you on. Pleasure, Chris. Yeah. Been a good one. It's been a long one, but it's a good one. What time are we on now? Has it been a while? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's quarter past ten. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Um, My pleasure's all mine. Well, that's all we have time for in this week's episode. I hope you enjoy listening to them as much as I do. Now, if you'd like to show your support, you can do it in various ways. You can click on the Buy Me a Coffee link in the show notes, leave us a review on iTunes, hashtag Bobcast on Insta, and share us with your friends. You can also reach out to us on the usual channels, which again can be found in the show notes, as we do always appreciate your feedback. And if you ever fancy taking part, then simply just contact us. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. 
To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.